in the morning. When you want the news, you need the front page every hour on the press box. Nothing's writing on this except the uh, First Amendment, the Constitution, freedom of the press, and maybe the future of the country. Not that any of that matters. And now, the news. Paul Weir out as New Mexico's head basketball coach at the end of the season. Weir's expected to coach the regular season finale at Colorado State on Wednesday and in the Mountain West Conference Tournament. Athletic Director Eddie Nunez, Paul and I agree that a change of leadership in our men's basketball program is in the best interest at this time. Let me ask you this, Adam. They're 6-14 and 14 in the overall, 2-14 in the Mountain West. Uh, they went 19-14 and 14 last season. He was 14-18, and 19-15 and 15 since coming over from New Mexico State. Is this probably the way you thought it would go? Or given what this team has gone throughout this season with the pandemic and never being at home and being the road the whole time, this has been a disaster for these kids and this team. Would you think they would have gone mulligan on this year? Or do you think it's so bad right now with all that we're talking about, they had to make a change? So, Ed, when we go back in the history of this short tenure for Paul Weir, I think you could have made the case to fire Paul Weir after last season. And I think you would, I, yeah. have, you would have avoided all of this. You would have avoided whatever goodwill is naturally there for the ridiculous season that New Mexico has had playing in Lubbock, playing in St. George, like playing all over the place. And I'll tell you what, I have one very clear memory going back to the Mountain West tournament two years ago, semifinal game between, excuse me, quarterfinal game between New Mexico and Utah State. And Paul Weir's team going up 52-44 on Utah State with 15 minutes to play. And they had a very good Utah State team on the ropes. And I watched Craig Smith outcoach Paul Weir so badly over the last 15 yes. minutes of that game that I thought to myself, how can you let a guy take this opportunity, this program, that fan base in New Mexico and continue to run it? And I think they probably could have pulled the trigger sooner than they did and avoided the optics of this. Let me ask you this, because we know with Frischillo, uh, uh, with, with Alford, uh, wearing the neck, the net around his neck, uh, McKay, all these, at some point, most of these guys won at some level, and New Mexico was always a top three team in this conference. Then Muss had his run at Nevada, Fisher and Dutcher at San Diego State. There's been other teams now that have taken over. Uh, I saw some names thrown out there yesterday by uh, uh, New Mexico writers, and, you know, Patino's always the first name, even though I don't know if he leaves Iona after one year. How good in your mind is this program still, and could it uh, could it quickly get back to that Mountain West top reign and in-state tournament Sweet 16 team, or do you think there's been some damage done here and it'll take a while depending on who the coaches they hire? Well, I think the bigger question, uh, Ed, is where is the state of that athletic department overall? I mean, it has been a tumultuous two years in the New Mexico athletic department with the turnover, with the scandals, like, and I'm not just talking about yep. any one program, I'm talking about all of the financial mismanagement that went on at New Mexico. So it's that that makes me look at the program and say, I don't know how quickly it can come back. But I'll tell you this, I do think that New Mexico could still be an attractive job, maybe not for the Patino type of coach, maybe it's a better version of Paul Weir. Maybe you're going to a mid-major, and bringing someone up because I still think when that program is right, that home court advantage they have at the pit is like few in the country. And so I hope for the sake of the conference that New Mexico can get this back together because I, I don't know, man, what we've seen from them under Paul Weir was certainly underwhelming. That's a great, great question. Former NFL wide receiver Josh Gordon is going to return to the sport in the starting in the startup fan-controlled football league. He's going to play for those FCF Zappers. 
Gordon will join former NFL quarterback Johnny Manziel, who was Gordon's teammate with the Browns on the team's roster. Uh, seven on seven games, fan set rosters, call plays, and interact, interact uh, in a myriad of ways. Um, this, I mean, look, he's obviously a troubled guy. He's had a lot of issues. We know that. Multiple suspensions in the league. Can't get his stuff together. Is this it? Is this his final choice? And have you seen anything from this league in terms of clips that you like where fans are calling plays and Manziel's running for touchdowns? And I don't know that I have a lot to add on Josh Gordon. I think everything can probably <laughs> be said has been said. But let me ask you about something you just brought up at the very beginning of this. I believe you just said returns to the sport. Did you not? Yes. Are we going to call fan-controlled football the sport? <laughs> Are we going to extend the definition of the sport to what is essentially a glorified Super Tecmo Bowl where someone calls the play and then watches the players do it on the field? Like, I I, I don't know that we can be that generous with it. Uh, yeah, I I mean, it, it's, it's, it's on the borderline. Let's be honest. It's on the borderline. Yeah, I, and, and you know what? So is Johnny Manziel, and, and for many years, so has Josh Gordon been. So that's about right. Next question. Uh, this is interesting. It goes all the way back to should college players be paid? Uh, what kind of you know advancement have they made in this? Uh, Notre Dame has said the school will not provide its name, logo, or other branding property to EA Sports for the college football video game when it returns to the market. Uh, here's their AD. Uh, as rules are developed, it is our strong desire that student-athletes be allowed to benefit directly from allowing their name, image, and performance history to be used in the game. So Notre Dame's saying it's not going to endorse this until the change of rules happen and they know how much money their kids might make. Are you surprised uh, at this point Notre Dame might be the one team out there saying this? Could, would you not have surprised, be surprised that others had kind of joined the fray here and said, look, we need to know how much these kids are making once and for all before we put our likenesses on all these video games. Right, because in the end, how much does Notre Dame charge, right? Like, in the right. end, how much are they going to get? And if they don't know the answer to this, then they can't figure it out. And I think it's actually a PR masterstroke, because if you don't dig too far into this, it actually looks like Notre Dame might be protecting the kids in some way, when realistically, it's just protecting its long-term payday and figuring out what it's all worth. So, in the end... I feel like this video game, the idea of doing an NCAA football and all of that is is just amazing to me that this is to be the galvanizing force for so much that happens around the name, image, and likeness conversation because this is where the actual demand is from the consumer side. Yes, exactly. Next question. Dan Dakich is back in the news. Uh, ESPN uh, uh, broadcaster deactivated his Twitter account. Sunday. I believe he might be back. He's under fire because of comments he made both online and on his radio show over the last few days following Jalen Johnson's decision to leave Duke. Jalen Johnson is the five-star who decided to opt out middle of the season. Uh, he's taken some grief, and and he's been supported, actually, from a lot. But Dakage was among a number of media members that criticized Johnson, discussed on Twitter uh, by Duke Athletic Director Nathan Column lamb who is joined by Dr. Joanna Mello. So Dakage goes after uh, these professors at Duke, calls one a D-bag, uh, calls the other uh, some lady who was quote-unquote bitching at him. Um, look, this is not the first time we both know that Dan has gone off on the air, whether it be uh, on Twitter and or his radio show. Um, I just, I always find it interesting when they go back and forth and they start this string of comments with uh, people to where 
Ask, answer me this. What's the upside? I know it's Dakic, and this is kind of his, his his spiel where he goes back and forth with people and has these outrageous comments. Has anyone ever won this battle from the media side of things if you're going to get into it with people, even professors from Duke? How do you win? It's not a, I don't think not you a, do. It's not, yeah, you're right, Ed. It's not a winnable game in the first place because because parasites like Dockich don't exist if you do not give them the food of jumping into the fray with them. Like, right. Dan Dockich could be a just fine college basketball analyst on ESPN. He has good insights into the game. I enjoy listening to him strictly as a game analyst. But everything else around the Dockich shtick is toxic. And I think the problem here in this particular situation, Ed, is if you, if you look at the quotes from the AD and from the professor, they are acting like normal people, right? Like, they are approaching yes. this like normal people to say, oh, wow. Um, so I, apparently this guy does this regularly. We had no idea. But yet right. for a guy like Dockich, it's just being fed the, the uh, you know, the souls of the innocents over and over again to keep getting ratings. What, what was your, you know, Jalen Johnson opts out, um... Uh, Jim Beheim kind of sided, uh, as he would, obviously, with Krzyzewski in the program. Billis came after um, uh, Beheim for doing that. Look, it's individual decisions. He's obviously an NBA player. He said that he did not have handlers. He said it was just his parents and his family who said, we don't know. You know, Duke's obviously having a down season. Is this worth it? You're maybe a top five, top ten pick here. Uh, answer me this because not a lot of kids at that level have done this, like the you know lottery picks. Um, what did you think? Were you okay with this? And and should people just say, hey, look, this is his career, this is his life. You got to back off the kid. Or a lot of people said, how could you do that to your team? Ed, this is a business, and if the, anything has been laid bare over the course of the COVID pandemic, it is the fact that everything about the NCAA is a business, and you knew that. You've been covering yeah. this for long enough. You know all about it, but if there is any pretense left to the whole thing that it's about the student-athlete, it's about the kids, that's crap, and it's been made clear all through football season when the Big Ten canceled and then played and on and on that this was about making money. And you know what? Why shouldn't it from Jalen Johnson's side be about him protecting his money? Because these programs have used the kids for enough years as unpaid labor that if he wants to do that, good on him. And to Jim Beheim, be careful, man, because yeah. Yeah. When, think about this like the discovery phase of a trial, right? Like if you want to do this, it's fine. Just think about what's going to come into evidence when you do. If you want to get into something in which Jalen Johnson talks about how, no, it's just my parents. I don't have handlers. Jim, are you sure you want to open up the conversation of what coaches know about handlers and what they don't? Oh, yeah. Because I'm not sure that's going to work out for you in the long run. Man, you know, that's a great question. Did you? I, I'm sure you saw this. Uh, Jordan Bennington, I don't know if he was just pissed off because the, the Sharks, who aren't any good, kept, uh, kept uh, scoring on him. But the uh, Stanley Cup uh, goalie, as he's skating off with two minors the other night, I think he whacked three sharks one in the box and i think he took care of carlson then went after the opposing goalie uh did you see jordan pennington what what was going on with him how, how can a guy get this mad when they're scoring on him at will are you sure that wasn't fan controlled hockey uh, i mean that, that's feels just, like... that was crazy no it's like that was one of the most entertaining hockey games of the year and not just yeah. because it ended seven six because Jordan Bennington acted like the drunk guy at the bar who just got tossed by yes. the bouncer and like get yes. off me I uh, no you, you get off me and like he's trying to find <laughs> someone to pick a fight with who might step outside with him and they're all like go home Jordan you're drunk yes
Yes. I'm out. We got one more? We got one more? Let's go. That's a great question. Real quick, Adam Candy, you know it better than anyone. Ben Simmons hits a three, his second of the year, puts it over 220. Worst beat you've seen, or are there other bad beats lately? Are you kidding me? That was a standard <laughs> shot at the end of a ball game that does not count as a bad beat, except for the fact that it's Ben Simmons hitting a three. By the way, we found the the way for Ben Simmons to hit a three. Just tell him it doesn't matter. The game's over. Fire something up and see what happens. Uh, no, I, I will tell you, Ed, they call this in the biz a tease. Uh, when we talk <laughs> to Jameson Welch at 9 o'clock, we are going to discuss a game from last night that had one of the worst beats of the NBA season, and I had a bet on it. Can't wait to hear that when we come back. Time for some grades. Back after this. Grainy's grades. What you just said is one of the most insanely idiotic things I have ever heard. At no point in your rambling, incoherent response were you even close to anything that could be considered a rational thought. Grades, grades. Everyone in this room is now dumber for having listened to it. I award you no points, and may God have mercy on your soul. Grainy's grades. Uh, we like this segment. Uh, Adam and I are going to grade it out here. Said Grainy, Adam Candy, Jared back at the studio. Uh, Jared, we're going to let you handle this in terms of teeing it up uh, with each of these grades, and then we'll give them uh, give us what you, what we think. Oh, good. I'm so good at pronouncing <laughs> names. Well, all right. Let's start it off with Petrangelo's goal. I think I said that right. Petrangelo's goal. I tell you what. Boy, think people are gonna think I'm harsh on this, Adam. C pass. C pass. I say this because I thought Theodore really set him up well, but and I believe, correct me if I'm wrong. I was watching with one eye out of the uh, as others uh, things were happening. I was it Carrier who had the screen uh, in front of Gibson. I thought it was a nice shot. I get that, and any goal he's scoring right now is sort of a big deal because, like I said, we're kind of waiting for him to develop that chemistry, and he had the great stretch pass. He really looks like each game he's getting better and better, as DeBoer said. But even he said after the game it was lucky, and if he doesn't have that screen, that Gibson probably makes that save. Yeah, John Gibson uh, has been one of the better goalies in the league for a number of years and hasn't really been as good this year. But I'm going to give this an F. F. Oh. Do you know why? Is Bischoff? Someone has to be. Is is Bischoff here? (laughs) You nailed it. I am replacing Tyler Bischoff today. (laughs) And if if you look at the small print on the contract, it says, if we talk about a Golden Knights defenseman, (laughs) <laughs> who does something good, who is not Jake Bischoff, I am required to say it's terrible. F. All right. All right. Let's, <laughs> let's, uh, <laughs> We're just going to leave it at that. Let's move on to Logan Thompson. Oh, A plus pass. A plus pass. Is there a better job in hockey right now than whoever might be sitting on the bucket off the ice backing up Marc-Andre Fleur? They're going to play flirt. I mean, we don't know about Leonard. Obviously, it's been a long time. 
It's been a really long time for an upper body injury. Um, who is not, I don't believe he's gone on long-term IR. Uh, they continue to say he's getting better, but obviously now there are some back-to-backs coming up. So I, I can't wait for that because if they just keep playing him, it's, uh, it, it's going to be crazy. But whether it's Oscar Danks or Logan Thompson, I mean, what a job. You got to be on the big club. Get your, uh, I, I still think they probably give out per diem. Maybe not in the pandemic. Everyone has to eat by, together or by themselves. But what a job right now if you're Mark Andre Fleury's backup. You don't, you never, you can never get scored on. I mean, it's true. It's impossible to get scored on. Bench. That is factual information. Ed. You've, 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 you've nailed that one. Um, but I have once in a while, you, you, you know, that is that is one hundred percent accurate information. Um, see, you're an analytics, analytics guy at heart. Um, so. Yes. Uh, I I don't know because uh, me personally, that gear looks heavy and sweaty, <laughs> and I don't know that I want to spend like three hours smelling my own sweat inside those pads every night as a job. Like I prefer this whole you know pajamas at my desk racket that I have going yes. here for Lotus. Like that that to me <laughs> is a much easier job. Whereas Logan Thompson has to be a professional athlete who has to like stay in shape. And then if you come in and you replace Marc-Andre Fleury, you know that in Las Vegas, like the only person you can try to replace other than Marc-Andre Fleury, who you will get more hate for is Jerry Tarkanian. What's the grade? D. Oh, I'm just guessing. Cool. I don't know. Yes. Look for well, Logan Thompson's job. Yeah. Ah, I'll, I'll give it a C. You know, it's okay. easy money. C. All right. Next. Next. Carlson and Theodore versus their old team. Uh, this is going to be more of an organizational grade because they, and they happen to be, I'm going to, I'm going to break another story. They happen to be with the organization. I'm gonna say A minus pass plus. A minus pass plus. They are fourteen and three all time against the Ducks. They are four and one this season. Carlson and Theodore have played well against them. Let me ask you this: This I, I'm interested because Carlson obviously um, was in Columbus, I believe, when, when they drafted him. So this is a while ago with Carlson and the Ducks. But Theodore was a guy who I think they've got to be looking at him. And obviously, they, Carlson's a, a very, very good player. But I bet they're looking at Theodore more often because uh, they're the one who didn't protect him and saying, boy, what did we miss out on? Like, who of those two, wouldn't it be Theodore where they're like, whoa, we really screwed that up? Yeah, if, if I'm going to look at it and say, who do I want to build a team around, right? Right. I can find a top six forward if I need to find a top six forward. Yeah. But finding a defenseman with the offensive skill of Shea Theodore is a rarity and a guy who doesn't hurt you at the other end with that offensive skill. So I'm going to give this an A. A. Because there's just very little about the way George McPhee uh, handled the expansion draft that can get criticism. A. All right. VGK social media account. F minus minus check minus. F minus minus check <laughs> minus. All right. So Jesus. we talked we talked about UPIC. We understand that. They tweeted about it. Hey, you signed the deal. They had a statement about it. They were very excited about it. I I don't think I'm wrong. I've checked several times. Uh, I have gone to the statement and the page no longer exists. And I don't believe on the account that those tweets no longer exist. 
to me, all right, you, you you made the best decision to back off on it. It only took you 72 hours. That's that you look good for that backing off on it. But don't act as if you never did this. You did it. It was a mistake. Keep the stuff out there. You can then follow up with, hey, your statement about we've moved on. We no longer have any association with them. It's just a little funny uh, when a pro organization uh, really uh, supports something. And it, and it might not, look, this might not be unique. It might have been any pro organization. And then all of a sudden, you can't find anything that had ever happened. Okay, so I have to say the name, and then I'll give you the grade. Okay, okay. Kaiser Sose, and now the, it ends with the sound of A. So let's go A. A. Okay. <laughs> because if you've watched The Usual Suspects, and you are familiar with the Kaiser Sose story. If you don't know the movie, look it up. That's what IMDb is for. Um, but he says in that movie, the greatest trick that the devil ever pulled was convincing the world that he didn't exist. And here we are with the Golden Knights trying to convince us, no, no, you pick trade never existed. This, this is not anything that's part of our history. No, 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 no. It was only for 72 hours. This... This thing was was here. I mean, shorter shorter time than Eric Holla feels like he was here. Like, yes. no, no, it's not. It's not a real thing. Don't worry about it. Wow. I, now, what? what I, tell me the movie again, because Jared will not be surprised at this. The Usual the Suspects, starring Kevin no chance. Spacey. No chance, Jared. No chance. What? That but, I've seen that. Oh, okay. Wow. All right. <laughs> that is, is like named. There's is it, it is is it named Hoosiers? No, okay, fair enough. <laughs> okay. Uh, I I will say it is one of those movies that's really good, and then you like look at the credits and you go, man, there's a lot of problematic people in this bad boy. Yeah. So, well, I, I just said it stars movie, yeah. Kevin Spacey, did I not? Yeah. I said, yes. <laughs> uh, yes. Yes. All right. Uh, yeah. Uh, bad boy. Interesting choice of language. Okay. Yeah, exactly. Um. All right. Next, Darren Millard's suit. Oh, it's a tough one, but I'm going to say A++. A++. Uh, uh, Millsy looked great, and the fact that he had the same suit on, apparently, I'm being, I mean, I think I saw it as well, more of a more of a gray, I think it was more of a gray uh, outlook, to wear the same suit for the Silver Knights game and the Vegas Golden Knights game in a pandemic uh, Millsy's getting it done. You know what, what, you know, if you don't have to change and it's a good look and you get, you know, you're in a pandemic, you're running over from one to the next. Uh, I, I gotta be honest. Yeah. I didn't see it cause I don't, I didn't watch the silver night. So I wouldn't have picked up on that. Um, but I'm okay with it. Kids trying, you know, he's, you know, he's trying to stay uh, clean and, and have a good look. I don't have a problem with Millsy doing that. A plus plus. Yeah. A plus plus. The Golden Knights have the best-dressed broadcast crew in professional hockey. It's not all that close, actually. If you take Shane Knighty and Millsy, and then you add in McKenna, like, these guys show up yeah. ready to go every single night. And I, I, for one, could never pull off any of the looks that they have. But yet, I turn on the broadcast, and I'm like... Yeah, like that's not some Don Cherry over the top crap. Like this works. Like this is good. <laughs> wow, the side well, swipe that Don. Cherry. I I will say, uh, um, McKenna must have. I think he must have some nice suits because the wife consistently says, "Are you ever having him on your show?" So my guess is these suits <laughs> from McKenna are working well. <laughs> 
Uh, uh, I, I did yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Check. Plus. It, it must be the suits. Check plus. All right. We're going to continue some VGK talk. When we come back, it's Ryan Hockey Guy, Ryan Wallace. Let's get into all this with him. Now a lead past Carlson. And alone, backhander. He scores. William Carlson, his second of the game, wins it in overtime. His 12th career goal against his own club. Vegas wins it 3-2. Ah, they'd never lose if they played the Ducks every night. What a dominating history against Anaheim. He'll tell us all about it. Follow him on Twitter at Ryan Hockey Guy, your radio's VGK Insider show, pre and post Fox Sports LV. Hello, sir. How are you? I'm great. How are you? Uh, big, big day in the in the house for Mrs. Wallace. It's the birthday. Yes. Yes, it is. Yeah. She, uh, yeah. she gets to spend it away from me, too. So there's a game tonight, <laughs> and that's probably a good thing for her. <laughs> It's the present all the wives want, believe me. Uh, you heard coming back what happened there. Uh, and I want to ask you this because we had uh, graded a little thing, a few things before you came on. Uh, Alex Petrangelo gets the goal. Great screen in front. Actually, afterwards, he actually said, oh, I was a little lucky I got the screen. But DeBoer keeps saying game after game he's getting better and better. He's fitting in. Now, you know, he with another offensive-minded guy with Theodore. Put Petrangelo in in in, per, in uh, your comments now compared to when it first started this season. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that you're starting to see him get a little bit more comfortable within the system for the Golden Knights. You're starting to see him activate more in the offensive zone. When Alex Petrangelo is able to kind of roam around and feel comfortable, then he creates a lot of offense for the Golden Knights. And you saw it specifically on that goal. Think about where he's taking that shot from right inside the circles. Traditionally, you're going to get those shots through from the point on the, on the blue line if you're a defenseman, but Petrangelo sneaking in and getting more comfortable down low in the offensive zone is a good sign for the Golden Knights. I don't think he's 100% comfortable yet, but he keeps inching closer and closer and closer to that. You knew it was going to be an adjustment period. Uh, but I think that uh, if, if you're worried about Alex Petrangelo, you can focus on something else. He's going to be just fine. It was going to take him a while, but he's getting there. When we look at the Golden Knights defense core overall, obviously without Braden McNabb for a while here, now we've had a chance to see Nick Hay. We've had a chance to see Dylan Coughlin. Once things are back to normal, what do you think the ideal pairs for the Golden Knights look like? Yeah, that's uh, that's an interesting question because I, I'm not quite sure, right? Like, I, I like the idea of Petrangelo and Theodore together, but I'd also like to see those two guys apart just because then you have a stud on the ice every single time or, or for longer periods of the game. So, like, for me, I would like to see more balance. So, McNabb and Petrangelo didn't really move the needle for me that much. I would like to see some combination of uh, Alec Martinez with Alex Petrangelo. And then I wouldn't even mind seeing um, Shea Theodore on the left with Zach Whitecloud on the right. And then Braden McNabb and Nick Haig together. Like that would be something that I'd be interested in. I'd also like to see Braden McNabb with Dylan Coughlin. Like, I think that there's a way to kind of configure this where you get a little bit more balanced than just loading up uh, Alex Petrangelo and Shea Theodore together on the same pair. Are we, um, so, you know, 
you know, everyone, Petrangelo and, 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 and Theodore and their offensive minded, are we missing, let me ask you this, are we missing a, a, a really, really strong season from Martinez? He had the huge block the other night, then he breaks up the two-on-one, although I thought the guy should have shot a lot earlier. I don't know what he was doing. <laughs> um, but you, talk about Alc Martinez, because, you know, everyone loves to talk about Petrangelo and Theodore's offensive minded. It just seems like when they need it, Martinez comes up with a play. Yeah, I mean, he's done it his entire career. And there's a reason why Alec Martinez played with Drew Doughty when he was with the L.A. Kings. He's a fantastic safety blanket for an offensive-minded defenseman because Martinez can also create offense. He's very smart in terms of how he pinches in the offensive zone, but he's also very responsible defensively. He will stay back. He will block shots. He will bail out a defense partner if they get caught off the ice. So, I think Alex Martinez is kind of a, a key piece in all of this. If you pair Martinez up with Shea Theodore, you can maximize Shea Theodore. I think the same thing could be true with Alex Petrangelo. Martinez, for me, is is really the guy that you want to pair with, with the, the defenseman that you want to activate and get even more out of. So it'll be interesting to see when Braden McNabb comes back, kind of how Pete DeBoer goes about it. But Alex Martinez is a very very important to this team's defensive core and why they are defending well. Talking to Ryan Wallace here on the press box. Uh, Ryan, this Minnesota Wild team that we're about to see, I would venture to say that even most Vegas Golden Knights fans who follow the sports somewhat closely probably couldn't name five players on this Wild roster. And yet here they are right up near the top of the division. What's been going so right for Minnesota? Uh, Kirill Kaprizov has been a, an absolute stud for the Minnesota Wild. It took him a while to get uh, Kaprizov over here to the States to play in the NHL, but he is just a fascinating player to watch. And to be completely honest with you, he changes the entire dynamic of what the Minnesota Wild do. In the past, Minnesota has been a team that will just suffocate you and try to win one nothing, 2-1. to one. With Kaprizov and the way that he plays the game, this is a team that's very dynamic now offensively. Matt Dumba from the back end activates incredibly well. He is very, very good um, in terms of creating offense from the blue line. This is a new-look Minnesota Wild team, and they're a, an exciting team that has some, uh, some ability to put the puck in the back of the net. This is not the same old, same old Minnesota Wild. I wanted to ask you also about this because I, I thought this fascinating uh, when I wrote on Flurry over the week, and I thought one quote kind of said a lot of things to me, but I want to ask you what you thought when he said, I don't play the game to prove anything to anybody. And yet DeBoer had uh, also told me, he goes, I think he had a lot to prove this year. When you know Marc-Andre Fleury as you do, that's very interesting to me when he would say that only because of what happened in the offseason and everyone assumes there is a chip on the shoulder and you tried to move me, I'm going to prove you wrong. But when he says, I don't play to prove anything to anybody, I don't know if I necessarily believe that only because he's so competitive. He could not have been happy about what happened in the offseason, them trying to move him. Yeah, I, I mean, like, I don't think that that's the main motivation for Marc-Andre Fleury, but I, I think that it would be, I think it's pretty easy to tell that this is statistically one of his best starts to a season, and it uh, coincidentally is, after he lost the job in the bubble during the playoffs um, last season. So I, I, I think that there's there's got to be a healthy amount of wanting to prove people wrong or wanting to prove 
you are the best. And maybe it's not so much proving Pete DeBoer wrong, proving the team wrong, so much as it's just Marc-Andre Fleury proving to himself that he's the best goaltender on this team. Whatever it is, he's he's out to show that he still can play this game at an elite level, and that's only positive for the Golden Knights moving forward. So, Ryan, we know that come the playoffs, you generally ride the hot hand, and Marc-Andre Fleury has been on the wrong side of that a couple times uh, in Pittsburgh. But in the regular season, we're dealing with a shortened season here. We don't know exactly when Robin Leonard comes back. So how do you think Pete DeBoer looks at the situation? I'm not saying should he go back to the rotation, but how do you think they're looking at it with the sort of heater that Marc-Andre Fleury is on right now? Well, I mean, as long as Robin Leonard's not available, then you ride Marc-Andre Fleury as long as you possibly can. The only problem is the Golden Knights play eight games in 13 days. You cannot have Marc-Andre Fleury start all eight of those games. It's just too much. You don't want to burn him out. That being said, if Leonard's not available, then you're going to have to go into some type of rotation or find something with the rest of your goaltending depth, whether that be Oscar Dansk or Logan Thompson. One of those guys is going to have to come in and play a game and, and do reasonably well for the Golden Knights. Beyond that, the, 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 the real answer to your question is Robin Leonard needs to become available and he needs to be an option for the Golden Knights to go back to a rotation. You don't want to have a situation where you've got two goaltenders the caliber of Robin Leonard and Marc-Andre Fleury and you're overexerting one versus the other. The idea with this rotation was to have a clear-cut answer as to who was going to be the starter come playoff time and have both of those guys be rested so that you go into the playoffs with a, with an advantage. If the Golden Knights have to continue to ride Marc-Andre Fleury, you're going to wear him out for later on in the season when the games really, really matter. Uh, let me stay on this for a second, because and I, I know you know this about what McPhee said on a podcast where he said, hey, when he gets back, I'd really like to see the rotation go back to what it was. There's a lot to un- unfold there, I think. One, they signed this guy to a five-year, $25 million extension, a free agent extension. So, obviously, they like Leonard at, at a high level. Um, is that – do you – does DeBoer listen to the stuff like that? Do you think DeBoer still has the final say? Were you surprised, given how well Fleury's uh, played, that he said that? Or is that, as Adam said or, or asked you, is that the smartest thing to do so when you do get to the playoffs, you know, one of these guys isn't dead tired? Yeah, I mean, I think that as soon as Robin Leonard is available and he's healthy, ready to go, you've got to go back into a rotation. And to be honest, it doesn't have to be a one-for-one rotation. If you think Marc-Andre Fleury has kind of earned that starting role or at least earns more starts than Robin Leonard, you could go two games on for Fleury, one game for Leonard, two games on, one game for Leonard, until you kind of have to make that change. But you need to get Marc-Andre Fleury some rest because if he continues on this pace, you're going to have to, at some point, find ways for him to rest and recover his body. It does not get any easier in terms of the schedule with how condensed it is for the Golden Knights. You really need two goaltenders through this stretch. You need that rotation to come back, and you need it soon. So... Ultimately, for the Golden Knights, we feel as though the discussion of Marc-Andre Fleury playing anywhere else in his career is probably over now? Uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I mean, I, I, would, 
I would venture to guess that that's correct, right? Like you're looking at what he's doing right now and, and he's just become such a fixture for this organization that it, it almost seems crazy to, to think that he would play anywhere else. But at the same time, I, I think that it's a lot easier to talk yourself into that contract and that amount of money in goaltending uh, for this season specifically because it's 56 games. It's going to be a sprint. We all understand that. And if there was ever a time to have two goaltenders at $12 million, it would be this season. Now, the question is, where do the Golden Knights end this season? Do they, do they win a Stanley Cup or do they fall short? And in what areas do they fall short? Is it because of offense? Is it because they can't find ways to put pucks in the back of the net? If that's the case and you look at this team and the window that they have, uh, you've got two chips and $7 million and $5 million in which you could probably cash those in and get the help that you need to actually win a Stanley Cup. So I think a lot of it has to do with what ends up happening this season, whether or not they win, and then beyond that, where they fall short and how to supplement the roster. So um, I'm not going to say with certainty that, that, that Marc-Andre Fleury will, will retire a Golden Knight, because I think there's a lot unknown still about this entire situation and where the Golden Knights finish this year. Ryan, I've been working the Silver Knights games here at uh, Lotus, which you can hear on 12.30 a.m. the game. There was a game on Saturday that genuinely, I think there might have been five fights, and I may be underselling that. Is that Uh just like... Is AHL hockey just like organized chaos? Because there was a fight at one point where one guy just suddenly came into frame and started wailing on another guy, and they just left the frame, and they stayed on the first fight that was up against the bench. Yes is the answer to your question. It is, <laughs> it is controlled chaos. Yep. Okay. Thanks, thanks, you, thanks Ryan. It's, it's either that or Bennington hitting everyone up and night. Bennington hit everyone but poor Shang Ping. Follow him on Twitter <laughs> at Ryan Hockey Guys, radio host VGK Insider, pre and post on Fox Sports LV. Every day you can hear his Vegas Golden Knights Insider Elite Analysis. Thank you, Ryan. We appreciate all your uh, time. All right. Thanks, guys. There he is, Ryan Hockey Guy on Twitter. Uh, yeah, I, I forgot about that in San Jose. Poor Shang Ping. He was the only one who didn't get whacked upside the head. All right. When we come back, it's the sharp. Uh, the sharp. Did the sharp win, uh, Jared? We need a new sharp. Honestly, let's find out, and we'll announce it after the break. <laughs> okay, that's that's how we handle the sharp on the show. Back after this. It's time to find the sharp. Brought to you by PropSwap, where smart sports bettors buy and sell sports bets. Go to PropSwap.com today and find the very best odds. Oh, here we go. We Here's a, here's a great thing about the press box. We're going to have to take this kid's uh, word on it. I think it was an NBA pick, but we're going to take uh, our, uh, our um, sharp's word for it. Uh, Sean, did you win? Yeah, we got the W. Okay, all right, all right. We we knew you. We we knew you did. It was an it was an NBA game. Yeah, it was uh, it was the Celtics against the Patriots. Oh, there you go, there you go. All right, well you're up again. We love to uh, start off the sharp this way, asking you if you actually won. What do you want today, buddy? <laughs> all right, today we're gonna stick with the uh, NBA again. Let's rock and roll with uh, the 76ers. Okay, Adam probably knows it off the top of his head, but I'm gonna look it up. Uh... <laughs> Uh, NBA lines, you always have to check what time of day okay. you're actually looking at it. So, so um, Philly, Philly minus five, I'm seeing. Go. Let's rock and roll. All right. Thanks, Sean. Appreciate it. Philly minus five. We'll talk to you tomorrow. 
All right, guys. Have a good day. Take it care. appears that uh, appears old Sean is fading the Pacers pretty hard here because it's Indy yeah. and Philly tonight. <laughs> Adam, I don't know if the the golf course or our sharps get more mulligans. Now Sean didn't get one because he uh, because he actually won, but we like to give up mulligans. We've had a couple guys, if Jared, if I'm not mistaken, get about 16 straight mulligans. We just keep rolling with them. We're, we're mean, nice here in the press. It's box. also a lot of times the mulligans are soccer, and so all you got to do yes, is be like, "Yes, did you pick a winner?" Or absolutely sure. Okay, there you go. That's fine. You got two coin uh, flips. Did you get them both? All right. By the way, uh, Jordan Goodrich on Twitter. Thanks for pointing out. It was actually a coffee drink. I don't drink soda, <laughs> so there was not a soda can that I popped open. It was actually a coffee drink. No soda. It's bad for you. Uh, so that's, anyway, that's the important part of that tweet. Yes, <laughs> the important part of that tweet is what popped open during the Ryan Wallace uh, interview. I, I got to watch the uh, keyboard this morning. It's been a lot. I apologize. I usually though, Adam. The problem is when I go mute, I forget I'm on mute, and people are talking. I have no idea I'm supposed to say something. You know, and, and <laughs> I don't know how to help you with these technology <laughs> issues. No, I, 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 I do know how to unmute when I ask a question of Pete DeBoer. And by the way, speaking of uh, old Sheng Peng a minute ago, talking about yeah. Pete DeBoer, like you can't have Jordan Bennington hitting Sheng Peng. I would fly up to San Jose, mask yes. and face shield and all, <laughs> to take care of Jordan Bennington if he went after yes. our beloved Sheng Peng because he's yeah. taken enough beatings from Gerard Gallant in his life already. You're right. You're right. Uh, we got to protect Sheng. All right. Uh, watch this game yesterday. I Maybe I was watching it on mute. I didn't. I don't know what's happening here. Doris Burke, who I do think does a terrific job calling NBA games. I guess she had a little video or a little audio clip here I'm going to listen to. You guys have listened to it, so let's play it and we'll react. This is Doris Burke, uh, Clippers Bucks yesterday. They look like it again, Doris. You have to know when to come. So Chris does a great job. Giannis comes from behind and gets a piece of it. Like, it's not just when you come. Like, it's, it's how hard you come. Oh, my God. <laughs> Oh, Doris. We love Doris. She's terrific. She's terrific. Uh, yeah, uh, that was that was something right there. Um, yeah. Did she Ed, I... was there any yeah. kind of reaction to it from her? Uh, not that I saw. No. So and, and I have a question about this. And, and maybe with your knowledge of basketball, you can help me. <laughs> Is that why they call Giannis the Greek freak? Oh, that oh, that's a great. That might be oh, it. Man. That might be it. I like that. I like that. Here we go. No, 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 no. Uh, counting on the keyboard for that. That's just the golf clap coming from the radio. <laughs> um, I just. I mean, I think she does a really good job. I do. I mean, I, I think she's terrific. But uh, that was something there. And I, I'd like to. I'll go back and read it now because you guys told me not to listen to it. So I'm wondering if uh, there was a social media reaction and or. Uh, uh, she to put it this way, she, I don't know her. I would think though she'd have a good time with it and laugh it off. She's a pro. I don't think she'd get too caught up in uh, you know what people might say because I guarantee people said something. But she kind of seems like she'd just laugh it off or make fun of herself. Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Doris I mean, Doris Burke's as good as they get when it comes to yes. analyzing basketball. And I thought maybe she had some insider information there that you know. <laughs> You know, I, like I, now, honestly, guys, I spend a lot of time looking at basketball analytics. I've got my Ken Palm subscription. Like, I just have never looked at that particular stat. <laughs> it's, just, it's, it's, it, there's uh, always, it's, it's the build up to it. And then the fact that social media was just sort of like, 
You know that's actually not bad advice, right? Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. I mean, she, like, obviously that wasn't what she was talking about. But if she was, <laughs> that's good advice for people. So you're telling me there was a social media yeah, reaction? Oh, oh there had to be. I mean, they, they this, so, you know, I got a reaction today from popping open the coffee drink. Never mind well, that. Ed, Ed, have we, and maybe Jared knows this, have we gotten Sean Kemp's reaction yet? No. <laughs> Oh man! All right, turn off Uh-oh. my mic. Yes, it's a uh, it's taking a turn. It's taking a turn with Doris. Uh, I like her. You, you, Adam, you seem to like. I mean, I think she does a really yeah, good job for sure. Oh no! Look, Doris, Doris Burke's outstanding when it comes to uh, you know analysts, and you know, it's interesting to me because I think overall I prefer the TNT broadcasts for the NBA because I think they have the better play-by-play outside of Mike Breen um, because uh-huh. I love Kevin Harlan. I think Ian Eagle is fantastic, right? I think, uh, you know, uh, Brian Anderson does a solid job as well. Uh, but I don't know how strong the analysts are on TNT compared to the stable that uh, that ESPN has. I'm, I'm a Van Gundy guy. I like Jeff, and maybe that's just my soft spot for him as the Knicks uh, old coach. But I think Doris Burke does a fantastic yeah, job on, on the NBA. And I think the funny part about it is that, you know, we, we have a laugh about this clip, but there are a lot of female broadcasters who would have caught a very different reaction for this, who would have caught yeah. a very different, more like, oh, they don't know anything about sports, blah, 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 as oh, opposed no. to Doris Burke. Doris, yeah. we just sort of laugh it off because she's as good as it gets. Oh, she's terrific. knows knows the game as well as anyone. Uh, I think she she's a, she does a great job uh, on basketball. She explains things. I think if you don't know it, she'll point things out that maybe you know you don't see, and you're like, oh wow. Or they'll do a replay, and she'll tell you what happened. Uh, she does a great job, and uh, Jared obviously uh, strong job with the uh, audio clips. All right, when we come back, we'll we'll stay with the NBA. Uh, he's our expert. Uh, we'll ask him about that Clippers Bucks game, and I know Adam has a few things to ask to Jamison Welsh. He's on deck our NBA expert.